Right, you're probably wondering why I've brought you both here today. I mean, I wasn't wondering why you'd you'd brought us both here. No, it's we the have, same like, time every week. I, I'm now wondering why you've brought us both here. Is, <laughs> oh, is there something abnormal about this meeting? Oh shit, it's Wednesday, isn't it? It sure is. I've somehow scheduled a meeting. Okay. At the exact same time and day we record this podcast. Okay, well, well, that's well, that's, that's good to know. Well, well, let's get the meeting out of the way first before we do the podcast. Then I guess. What what have you brought us both right. here for? Right, I've 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 brought you um, just a, a fun bit of feedback I got uh, about myself and everything um, that I want to share with you because it is simultaneously. The how do I describe this? Because I don't want to put the guy down because he's trying his best, but it is simultaneously the most um, ignorant by his own admission and supportive message I think I've ever received. The the balance between the two. So I want to send you a. I just want to read this out and just to get your thoughts on it, because I need to share it. Uh, Obviously won't say the name, but... Hi. I never comment, and I am a little too old to comprehend 50 types of gender or some forced wokeness in popular media. But I am progressive enough to believe in and support gender dysphoria and everyone who just wants to express their identity or sexual orientation without bias, etc. What I wanted to say in reaction to all those stupid unsubscribers, um, this was in response to the under 800k special, uh, I really loved your universe crunch intro just for the humour. Your reaction to all of this was also brilliant. And maybe I miss the old male gym a little bit. Plus dash minus three percent, but your coming out was an improvement to the presentation and quality of your channel. So please go on. Now, <laughs> usually when someone says they miss the old gym, right? It's because they're part of that narrative that oh they went on the slide a bit, but like to say that my stuff is better, but they still like miss. They're basically saying I leave an exquisite corpse. <laughs> for them to mourn me, but also admit that the the aftermath is doing it better. But there's so many swerves in that. Yeah, right? there's 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 a lot of points in this where I thought I had a handle on 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 what this person's deal was. Right, it's just like being progressive and being anti woke. Um, they're polar opposites. But I genuinely believe that this guy is nailing it. Yeah, he's walking that line. He's actually killing it out there. Um, by <laughs> like, like some what do they call them? The the Jedi's that have mastered the light and the dark oh, side. Oh, the, the gray, the, the gray Jedi. Like this guy's gray Jedi-ing it up. <laughs> a fucking treat. Um, wow. And like I said, I don't want to have a go because it was a supportive message, and you know, yeah, I. Y- 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 Yes. The guy is, admits he's old and doesn't understand it, but does does support gender dysphoria. Yeah. Now, personally, I don't. I support the the concept that it's real. I wouldn't say I support gender dysphoria because um, 
generally, I, I, I'd rather see it uh, knocked out of the running. Uh, that, I uh, mean, look, Steph, that is a very brave stance to take, the anti-gender dysphoria stance. I'm, I'm Well, depending on where you are, yes, it is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just genuinely thank you for the kind, supportive words. Um, but just amazing. Just... I, it, it is so such a journey. It's truly beautiful. Yeah. Sometimes someone's heart is in make the right place question mark. Well, they just don't have a compass that works, but they're yeah. it's in the right place. They just but, thought they were in Des Moines. <laughs> so yeah, uh, <laughs> uh that concludes the uh meeting for the yeah. day. I hope uh the rest of your day goes well. Yeah. Oh yeah. well, well. I mean, you know, while we're here, we should probably like do uh, podquisitions. Oh, like, I'll do the, oh, I'll well, do the thing where I right. sync up some recordings for us. Like, oh, we'll it's Wednesday. One, we clap on the fourth beat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, clap. There we go. Cool. We're in. We're in the podcast. Right. We're in that bit now. Yeah. Did we? Did we sync up? Yeah. I mean, probably. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Yeah, cool. I think we did. In yeah. that case, <laughs> you're probably wondering why I brought brought you both here. To... Fuck. I'm doing that again. <laughs> because that was a great goof. That was a classic, classic podquisition goof. Classic. That was one of the all-time great podquisition goofs. That was to do the very old tired joke of I forgot what I just said. I'm going to do it again. I fuck it. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How are you doing, Laura and Conrad? I am tired. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. I my my I finished work at two a.m. last night, and then I was up at five thirty for work because I had I had a meeting I had to schedule between someone in the west coast of the U.S., someone in the U.K., and someone in Japan, which is not a fun set of time zones to try and find a good middle ground with. And then I went swimming. Then I did some. I I did an interview. I've I've done too much for this early in the day. Hmm. Too many things. That is a lot. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. Lot of yeah. Stuff. Conrad, yeah. you weren't with us last week. You were doing no, your move. I was um, doing my moving. And yeah. I, how, I, how, how'd it go? Um, well, I, mean, I injured my ankle um, mm. on the day of the large furniture move. And so I have been limping for the last, what, like, five days, six Ooh. days. Uh, it's actually, it's it's almost all the way back today so that's at least something but it, it yeah right. that was a little frightening the new place has very steep stairs oh uh, uh, yeah yeah uh the old place had strange stairs you know they went up had a brief landing after like six steps and then turned 90 degrees and went up the rest of the way and were also a little bit steep but not that bad these are narrow and steep ugh and yeah. I can't be doing with that. I, no. You know what I'm like. Yeah. Yeah, it's not for you. Yeah. I used to have one of those in uh, a place I lived like maybe six years ago. Uh, very narrow staircase. And like, it, it's very weird having, you don't realize average staircase widths until you have a narrow one. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and this, at least, it it's mostly open, the staircase. Mm. You know, there, there's a railing. Uh, obviously, but it's it's at least doesn't feel like a tunnel to go uh, up this my, steep, horrible staircase. 
But... Mine was just like brick walls on either side. It was oh. like, come come walk up the weird dark tunnel. Yeah, no, the apartment we landed in is, is really nice. It has a um, a better layout than, than the previous one. The square footage is about the same, but it's distributed in such a way that my office is got to be twice the size of the one in the old place. And so I've been able to, I have actually been able to put everything I need for both production and shipping in the same room. <gasps> right? Ooh. I used to have to go downstairs to ship. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear this is the case. Oh yeah, that one. That, uh, but you know what hasn't, hadn't gone? Internet internet was it's always a, a risk when you move isn't it yeah it is it is see i i had fiber optic at my last place oh and it was it was fantastic i i loved it and um i really should have checked before we took this place um because it's not installed in the building but the landlord's getting it in and they have been in communication with uh, verizon for months now trying to get this to happen. I think they've even yeah. done a building walkthrough. But the thing about these installations here is uh, when they do a multi-unit dwelling, they have to put a whole project plan together. There's a whole huge, ridiculous process. It can take like a year and a half, two years sometimes to get a building wired. Um, and I'm hoping it doesn't take that long because that's when the introductory pricing on this cable internet service I got temporarily runs out. And first of all, the service is uh, slow, just slow. And and that is like really, really painful. Upstream is so bad. I spend three hours uploading a file. It, it's it's mm. hideous. I can stream barely but the other thing about it was uh i i thought about you know it's like all right well i'll get cable then temporarily and i went ahead went online signed up for it because obviously cables in here right and then i looked around at the walls and i did not find a single cable outlet anywhere in the apartment and so i went outside and i looked at the exterior of the building and i i saw the cable box there and I saw the, the wires running along the sides of the building. And so I followed the wiring along the side of the building into the courtyard um, of my building, which is fucking fantastic, and I'm going to be able to grow so many plants, um, and into the alley directly behind my building and watched as it went along and went right up into the wall of my office, Ooh. Which is, mm. that's great, right? It's right yeah. where I would physically need it to be. And then I got uh, I got back into my office, and it, that's when I, I looked and it hit me that the two inches of unfinished coaxial cable yeah. sticking out of the wall is my internet connection. Huh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I got uh, some cable stripper, and I got a cable Brilliant. stripper and a, uh, um, uh, what, what do you call it, a crimper to yep. attach a terminal to the end of this cable, and it's just not long enough. It's not long enough to get the terminal on and fit the crimper on and crimp it. So I had to bust out the soldering iron. 
<laughs> and there is now a uh, a heat shrink wrapped monstrosity hanging out of my wall, but the internet works, and uh, that's that's all I can ask for. And the next person who lives here is just going to have that happening to them. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've also got some breaking news. Oh. Yeah. It's snowing outside. Oh my. Oh, I've been having snow today. Yeah. It snowed down the south. Yeah. It's been on and off with rain, so it's not settling, right. but it's been qu- it's like been quite snowy out. That's good. It's been uh, interesting weather up here. Like yesterday was the first half of the day was lovely. Um so lovely that the guy who uh, delivered our groceries um asked for a thumbs up on Uber for it and I'm like well, we're going to do that anyway. Um, but he was like, it's a lovely day. And he, he sort of mentioned that he pointed it out to us that it was a lovely day. Oh, so, that's that's providing an yeah. extra service for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it was really nice first half of the day. Uh, went out a little later for a little puddle to the shops. Um, didn't wear a jumper, regretted it. It was viciously cold. The North's amazing. Um, and yeah, now it is snowing. Now it is, it's starting to snow quite yeah. heavily, actually. Oh, nice. I'm excited oh. now. Every time it snows, I get excited for like five minutes. And then I remember what it means as a practicality. But for right now, <laughs> I'm excited. See, this this is why I'm getting the best of both worlds with it raining intermittently with the snow. Is It's not technically an impediment to me going outside, but I do get to look at all the pretty snow. Oh, can we can we talk about video games? Because I, oh, I have a thing I want to talk about. Yeah, please yeah, do. Sure. Yeah, so I thought this week was going to be the last week of, of Laura's Playdate Corner. Yeah. Yeah, we we talked about this last week. Like this this Monday that's just been was like the end of my three months, the end of my twenty four games that come with the play date. Um, and I was like, okay, okay, this is like okay. I'll have my sort of full collection. And then something happened. Yeah, there was an announcement that like, hey, uh, we're doing like a a video to announce a bunch of updates about about the play date. And I was like, cool, cool, just in time for me to finish season one. First of all, they added two more free games to season one, just in time for me to finish season one, which is lovely. Fucking hell! Uh, so, like an extra, an extra two games for free, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and also, there's finally like a little curated, um, it, like on-device store for picking up more games that are like sold, you know, individually by price. I like so, that. Yeah. Uh, it it's sort of given me my, that push to go like. Yeah, yeah. There's more stuff coming, and I, I, I'll, you know, see what else is out there that other people are making. So I've only got one thing to say yeah. to that, Laura. Yeah, it must be nice, 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 da-da-dun. It must be nice, 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 na na na. Nothing oh. more, nothing less. Laura's the best. Oh, thank you. <laughs> So I've got I've got like a bunch of Playdate games to talk about this week. Awesome. Um, so I, I'm I'm gonna start by jumping in with with the two of them that like are technically like that were meant to be the end of season one. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a pair of games. One of them's called Ratcheteer, and one of them's called B360. Mm-hmm. Um, B360. I'll get out of the way nice and quick. Um, imagine a circle. And you're trying to play Breakout. 
Okay. All of the blocks you're trying to break are in the centre, and you're using the crank to rotate a paddle around the circle. Oh, all right. Ah, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, it is a really simple idea, but you would not believe how much it changes the physics of that game. Oh, yeah. When you have to think about the fact that you're not just moving left and right, you are moving on a curve, and you are not staying flat while moving your position. And I think that the game is very much helped by the fact that there is introduction of power-ups and things like that, and there there are some additional quality of life things to account for the fact that you have a much trickier challenge on your hands. Um, The screen of the playdate is still square, and all four of the square, like the, the edges of the screen, have a single use like barrier on them. If you fail to like block the uh, your, your bouncing ball once on a given side, it'll bounce back in and keep going. But you've got one one chance per side. Uh, sometimes power ups will do things like getting the ball to stick to your paddle so that you can like set up a a straight shot rather than having to worry about like curve physics. So it's it's, it's more of an arcanoid then. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more arcanoid, maybe. Okay, it's, all right. Yeah, it's it's another one of these play like season one playdate games that is we took a thing you know very well, and we put like one little twist on it, one like small little change, and I think season one of Playdate's uh, software has been really good at we've taken a thing you know and changed it just enough to make it feel fresh and different and interesting but familiar. And that is, like, not a bad way to introduce someone to a new piece of hardware. Well, it just fucking kills me. Why didn't anybody do a, you know, Tempest meets Block Breaker game? Before? Right. They have to. They have to have done this. The crank, yeah. the crank control on but it, though, is... But that's the thing, is the, cr- the crank makes so much sense of that control scheme. Right. It, it feels like such a natural way to do... That as a control scheme. Well, yeah, like back in the day in the arcade for Arkanoid, they used a dial to to control it. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's been like pretty fun. I've been enjoying the sort of like uh, evolution going through stages on that. Um, the other one in like the the final batch of games was another of the more substantial uh, Playdate games, and I'm glad they had one of those on the last week as well. Ratcheteer is a top-down Zelda-esque exploration game, but you are playing as someone living in an underground mining community. Uh, And the way that that initially manifests gameplay-wise is that you have, alongside, like, I have my wrench for hitting enemies and things like that, you have puzzle-based gameplay mechanics around things like lighting your lantern and like strategically turning your lantern on and off at certain times um a good early example there's an area of the map before you've got your weapon and there's this mole sort of going back and forth underground uh over the path you're trying to cross over uh if you light your lantern up it panics and freezes in position you gotta in the dark sort of like see as best you can this thing going back and forth wait till it's not covering the path you're on turn the lantern on Ooh, it's startled and not in your way, so you can just walk past it. I think the game has has done a a pretty good job so far of using that as a unique gimmick that, like, right from the start gives it something of its own in that sort of, like, you know. Otherwise, it compares very one-to-one with, like, a Zelda game. I think that having that kind of mechanic early on 
introduced gives it its own identity. I've seen screenshots that at some point you end up above ground, and I'm curious how much of the game is underground, uh, because that, that the underground nature does seem to be a lot of what it is selling itself on, and mm. I'm curious like how much it commits to that, or whether that is... like. There's part of me that wonders whether that's going to be like dungeons are underground, other sections are above ground, maybe. But it it's enough that I'm intrigued, and that it it it's got a unique angle that I'm intrigued by. Um, but yeah, those were the last two games of like technically season one of Playdate. Um, I'll throw I'll throw a game chat over to to to, to you both, but I got more Playdate games after this. Uh, what about Conrad? What have you played this week? Um. <clears throat> well, I, I really just got things unpacked and up and running in the last like 48 hours, but um, I did find Steam recommended me something called Dome Keeper, and mm. it is really good. It's a watch your live stream it last night. I at, did uh, Twitch TV slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Yes, I did do yeah. that. It, yeah, it's a it's a roguelike. It may surprise no one. Um, it's sort of a combination between base defense and mining. You have a uh, a 2D flat perspective uh, side view. Uh, on the surface of this alien planet, you have a dome, and that functions as your base of operations. Um, in there is a little, com- a little processor for processing minerals that you bring up and a computer for purchasing upgrades. And it's got a laser. So you go down below and you dig through and you find minerals and you bring them up and they get processed and then you spend the resources to upgrade your dome's abilities. The goal is to find somewhere in this mining region a relic and bring it back up to the surface. Periodically, there will be waves of enemies that come and attack the dome. And so you have your laser, which moves back and forth across the dome's surface and you fire your laser and kill the enemies. And it, you know, it's a wave-based defense game in that respect. Um, But the upgrades are neat. Like, they're all pretty valuable and every single one of the, like, gadgets that you can get to make things a little bit easier have very useful, interesting functions. Uh, There's one that you know, it's a, an air, a water condenser. And so it produces water, one of the three resources in the game, at a regular interval. But you can upgrade it to make it faster. You can upgrade it so that it doesn't stop working once one's in there, so that the time span, it's, it's always in production and always functioning. Uh, you can get defensive weapons like a, uh, a shock thing that takes out enemy projectiles before they can hit your base, or an automatic cannon that moves on its own along the dome and provides additional firepower. And then that can later be upgraded into either high rate of fire or high damage paths. Everything has upgrades to it. So you're constantly in need of these resources and your little minor character, it's you have to, you find them, but then you have to drag them back up. And they have weight, and so it limit. You can only carry a limited amount that can be upgraded and move it. And it's just got this very soothing cycle to it. I the combat encounters 
can sometimes get to a point where they feel like they're they're overwhelming because that's the you know the point is for it to eventually overwhelm you so that makes sense but it never feels like above a certain stress threshold which is kind of curious for a game like this and i'm I'm playing on the intended difficulty, which is called Brutal. Mm-hmm. Mm. And what I find interesting about that is that, first, it's the highest difficulty available at the start of the game. Uh, I think the first time you clear it, it unlocks the next one. Um, I can't remember what they call it. But it it has it starts you at the intended difficulty being the hardest, but then provides two easier difficulty settings if you're struggling. And I didn't particularly, I mean, I I didn't win every time playing on Brutal, but I didn't find it unfairly difficult in any way. So, you know, but I have a lot of experience with these sorts of games. So I definitely, I I liked seeing that there were options available for people who might struggle because it is fun to play and, and it is kind of chill. And so it lends itself to not really getting too stressed out about it and, why not have it be easier to take some more of that stress away? Um, so yeah, I thought that was thought that was pretty cool. Uh, the music is good. The mood is very cool. Uh, the the foreground visual design of you know low quote unquote low resolution sprites uh, is is you know, these big chunky sprites is very cool, but the environmental background details when you're at the dome and dealing in combat are just gorgeous. Um, It does some really useful visual information cues when you're digging around in the dirt underneath. The the blocks that you're breaking, they indicate their density visually, you know, just in a very simple fashion that uh, is helpful, but not, you know, incongruous, I guess would be the word I'd use. It's a really very well-designed little game. Um, I'm going to be playing it for a little bit. There's another dome type that I want to unlock. And there's another entire play mode where the goal is not to find this environmental item, but rather score points based on how many resources you drag up to the surface. I'm curious to check that out, too. It's a nice little package and uh, worth a look. I think it's a lot of fun. Dome Keeper. Dome Keeper. It does sound interesting. Uh It sounded interesting on the stream as well. Uh, As for me... Uh, I haven't played a lot new since last week and don't have a, a lot to add. You know, my thoughts on Octopath Traveler 2 are still the same. Very good game. Um, disappointed with some of the lack of change and improvement. Um, what was the other one I've been playing? Um, the At Rhythm? Yeah. Oh, I've been playing a ton of that. Um, again, same thing. Uh, that did get me to... Um, Replay Final Fantasy IX for the millionth time. Um, God damn, I love that the re-releases uh, from a couple of years ago um, have those features that uh, speed up the whole game. And oh yeah, yeah, like typically on, on these Final Fantasy, I say remasters. Final Fantasy IX was sort of touched up a bit. And Final Fantasy VIII was presented as a full remaster, and then there was seven. Um, but they have these little features where <clears throat> you can either speed the game up by, like, two or three times. You can 
toggle on stuff like whether you deal 9,999 damage, stuff like that, just to speed it all up, really. Um, you don't have to use them, but especially with Final Fantasy IX, I use the speed up a lot because even though that's my favourite Final Fantasy, that is a slow... The battles are so slow. The uh, the active time battle um, meters that let you uh, command the characters, it fills up excruciatingly slowly. Uh, it takes a long time to even load a fight and stuff like that, although the speed-up doesn't help with that for some reason. Um, so I really appreciate that, but it's still such an just such an excellent game. It is just fun. It's like really funny until it gets really fucking dark um and the the <laughs> contrast between those moods is done really well um because you start it up and this is after seven and eight which had plenty of brooding and, and sort of seriousness and nine starts off uh with a like cute characters a silly plot about kidnapping the princess who wants to be kidnapped stuff like that um a lot of jokes comic relief with steiner and and stuff like that and vivi's adorable and then we find out that vivi is in the middle of a fucking existential well gets put into an existential crisis um the nature of reality and whether someone is a real genuine person or not gets uh comes up um this is all leading up to an entire planetary genocide of course well yeah it's uh, of course yeah. um just a great game like the the throwback nature to older final fantasies is really nice the world is wonderfully put together the visuals i, I love the the way it looks um, the music is fucking sublime. Um, one of the best uh, Final Fantasy soundtracks, I think. Um, yeah, it's just... It's been wonderful to replay it. Like, I've been um, on, as I said in the Jimquisition uh, uh, this week about the term JRPG. I've been very much, thanks to Theatre Rhythm, on a, a big RPG kick. Um, and I couldn't resist playing 9 again. Um, just because I adore it that much. Um, it's been a really good thing to sort of get into and, and de-stress with, um, which is important. Um, yeah, just, I don't know if I've got a lot more to say. I'm pretty sure in the eight years I've done this podcast that I have played it during <laughs> that time and, ra like, rambled about how good it is. Um, God, it's fucking good. It's just good. Yeah, sometimes, it's, sometimes that's all you got to say uh, about a game. It's just it, it good. It starts with a a farcical comedy kidnapping, and ends with examinations of trauma and the nature of one's own personality and the meaning of their existence. Like I love just where it goes, um, and just little touches that feed into that, like. Moments in the game where a character is processing something really traumatic, they don't do their victory pose at the end of a battle. They stay in combat stance while everyone else does their pose. Little touches like that that just sort of reinforce this idea of of characters genuinely going through some shit and not necessarily being okay in the aftermath. They're not just moving on to the next story arc or the next quest. Um, they're dealing with shit. There's an entire sort of... 
I forget how long it is because I'm not at that point again yet, but I think it's several hours of gameplay where um, Princess Garnet doesn't speak because, you know, her mum went uh, off the deep end and was manipulated and, and turned into this greed-fueled megalomaniac. And then she gets killed. Spoiler. And for hours after, the character does not speak. Uh, just goes compl- like just struck mute by it, just silent by it. Um, yeah, really, really good. Just starts off silly, childlike, and and it. I think that didn't help it when it came to sales, when it came to its commercial success, because obviously it wasn't as successful as. It's certainly not the most successful Final Fantasy to put it like that. Um, but yeah, I I love how it starts off like that. Looks like a quote unquote kiddie game. And in my opinion, like, has some of the most mature examinations of, of themes uh, of any of them. So, yeah, that is to say I am enjoying it very much. And I do like that I could speed the fucking thing up. Yeah. I've got a couple more Playdate games to get through nice and quick. Yeah. Uh, so I'll talk about the two other free games that got sort of added onto the end of Season 1. Um, one of them's called Real Steel. Wasn't that a film with Hugh Jackman? The Rock'em Sock'em Robots, but real. But this one's, like, about, like, reeling in a fishing line. Real steel. Yeah, Hugh Jackman wasn't in a film about fishing, to my knowledge. And the steel is, like, stealing a thing rather than metal. It's it's both both words that sound like the words in that film title. Uh, The other one is called Recommendation Dog. What? Okay, I'll talk about Recommendation Dog first, because I can get this one out of the way nice and quick. Yes. Recommendation Dog is what if Papers, Please was less existentially depressing? Okay. Yep. You play as a dog that for some reason has opened up like a work for hire business. Your your business is like finding the right employees and sending them out for jobs. You are a dog. You are limited in your capacity to do this. But people will come through your door and be like, um, I am a magician, I need a fellow magician, but I need them to to be low on pay and low on charisma so they won't know I'm outstaging, like, outperforming them. And you then, on a time limit, have to frantically flip through your roller decks, uh, using the crank to, like, spin through it, trying to find a magician with low price and low charisma, or whatever it is, and all of these little cards in your roller decks will have a lot of information on them several stats that could be high or low in various meters, profession, temperament, and you are on a time limit as quickly as possible trying to flip through your Rolodex and find someone that's a good fit so that the person who's come into your office doesn't walk out the door either disappointed you gave them the wrong the wrong kind of person or took too long to serve them. It is very papers please in that, like, quick, frantic, go, 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 keep looking at a bunch of things that are basically like IDs with a bunch of information on them and try and suss out the information you need to, and sometimes just panic and pick an answer just because you don't have time to look properly. But it's about a silly little dog just trying its best to do do a job, and it's like, "I'm I'm just a dog doing my best. So that's recommendation, dog. That sounds adorable. It is adorable. It is simple... It is simple, it is frantic, it is a fun little little gimmick. The slightly more substantial one is Real Steel. Uh, it is an 
anti-capitalist game about doing heists of billionaires by being lowered in from the roof of their buildings on a, on a fishing line, on a hook, and trying to navigate past their security systems while getting a bunch of, of money out of their vaults. So, like, the first level of the game, to give you a sense of, like, the, the tone this takes right off the bat, is there is a politician that uh, has signed into law but has not yet handed over um, some bill that is going to defund the arts. And you have to suspend your disbelief for a second that they wouldn't just get rewritten instance, uh, moments after you steal it. But it's like, haha, if you steal the bill, that's going to slow down them defunding the arts. So, uh, your main controls are use the crank to sort of raise or lower yourself on this this fishing line in these sort of vertical levels, and automatically you sort of drift to the left, and then when you reach a wall you drift to the right, but you can press a button at any time to, like, change which direction you're currently going. Um, and there's some other controls, like trying to break away from magnets and things that are like, oh, trying to pull you this way. But the general gist is try and collect a bunch of, of, of treasure and whatever the objective right down the bottom is without being seen, uh, get get out and take cause billionaires to have a bad day. Um, I really like that for a game that is about stealthing in and out of a place, there is some degree of forgiveness and like uh, laxness around the stealth mechanics that I appreciate. Um, a lot of the times... If there's like a say a laser sight or um like a camera watching and you can see its sort of field of view, touching it for like a set for like a millisecond doesn't mean you've been caught game over. Usually they'll have a meter that will fill up at some speed, and some will speed up faster than others, and as long as you get back out before the meter fills, you're good. Uh so you've got a little degree of wiggle room, which I think makes sense with the uh the way the controls work. Uh, even if you are fully seen, it's not game over for a level necessarily. Uh, you your character just like jumps off of the uh, the 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 hook and line to be like, ah, get out of the way, don't be seen. Uh, at which point you have to frantically lower the line to try and get down faster than they're falling and catch them. At which point you'll be further down in the level and you might have to like get some of. You could either like right now go back up and collect some of the treasure and collectibles you missed. Or wait until you've gone and got, like, the big treasure from the bottom and, like, on your way back up, grab them. And then levels will score you on, did you get all the treasure? Did you do it under a certain time limit? And did you do it without getting caught? And, uh-huh. yeah, it's it's a very charming little game. It's got really nice, uh, it's got a really nice pixel art style to the character designs. It's a really charming little game. It sounds it. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about one more Playdate game quickly while I'm here, because this one's a nice quick one. Uh, this, is, this is one of the ones that's available like for purchase on the, the OnDevice store, and it is called A Joke That's Worth 99 Cents. And All right. you boot up the game, and you have a little tiny man with a bouncy butt, and like there is a virtual Playdate on the screen, and as you move the crank... Uh, the crank moves in game and you're trying to use the your real world crank to keep this little bouncy butted man bouncing and collecting collecting stars and it's pretty tricky to not accidentally fling this bouncy butted man at, completely out of the way this game contains like a 4 minute long joke 
And any time you drop the bouncy butted man, uh, the joke restarts from the beginning. <laughs> it is... I'm I'm embarrassed at how long I put into this game. It's in the hours. Yeah. Well, then it was four definitely minute... worth 99 yeah, for cents. The, for this four minute, maybe four minute joke at most. Yeah. And I will tell you this. They got me. They got me. There, there are very few punchlines that would that would land after that long of a joke, and they 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 got me. I I I had a silly time bouncing a bouncing a bouncy butt man around, and had a chocolate at a joke, and it, it got its ninety nine cents out of me. Um, yeah. Anyone else been playing anything else this week? Conrad, you got anything else? No, I've played nothing no. else. No. Ah. Okay. Well, I was gripped by, oh shit, it's Wednesday, and I haven't played anything new. However, there were some things I needed to get around to, so I can um, discuss those up to a point, which is about five minutes into them. Um, I have been playing Wolong. I've heard a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, I, th- I can't remember if it's Tecmo Koei that publishes it, but in any case, it's based on the same period of um, Chinese history that Dynasty Warriors is based on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Three Kingdoms era, which happens to be my... Um, because of Dynasty Warriors, I got very into the actual history of it, so I'm kind of fascinated by that uh, Three Kingdoms era um, right towards the end of the Han Dynasty. So it's based there, and it's got familiar characters. Like, it starts with the Yellow Turban Rebellion, which is what Dynasty Warriors starts with. I was sort of hoping for a a cross between Dynasty Warriors and Dark Souls. Mm -hmm. It's more of a cross between Dynasty Warriors and Sekiro, which I quite famously didn't get on with Sekiro. I am doing my best, um, but so far it seems to be quite quite focused on parrying and uh, breaking guards and stuff. The one thing that I have heard is that the parry is at least much more generous and easy to use than in Sekiro. I can do one. Yeah. That, it's definitely more generous. I can do one. Um, yeah, it's funny, for all my love of rhythm games, I my timing is shit for parrying. Always has been. Same. Um, I mean, I it's a problem i can have in rhythm games too i press just a bit too early because i'm a nervous person in general and anxiety makes me uh sort of press too early um but because i like the setting and because i have that thing about Sekiro where i really wish i loved it um i'm gonna try and persevere i don't know if i'm gonna be able to play enough to do a review or anything i just don't know if i'm gonna be able to um get deep enough into it but we'll see uh but i i would like to enjoy it uh the other game i will briefly mention is i picked up the 3ds again um Mm. because there was a game i got a while back that i haven't um played and i've actually never played this one uh, i don't think um super princess peach i think it's called that it's something princess peach this was the one they made a big deal of because (gasps) at last fucking girl power in it Right? The fucking sexual revolution has come to the Mushroom Kingdom at long I, last. I mean, finally, the, the girl-based superpower of having a cry. Well, that's what I was going to bring up, yes. Yeah. Um, base, 
basically her power is being emotional. Um, and that is how the, the sexual revolution is won. Um, it is a... It's structured like a platformer, like, you know, side-scrolling platformer, like Mario stuff. There are Goombas, there are Koopa Troopers. Ha! Sure. Um, and <laughs> Peach has an umbrella that she can hit enemies with, but you don't get any coins for that. Um, your best bet is to jump on their heads and then walk into them, or just press the scoop button to more or less just sort of poke them with the end of the umbrella and then carry them around. And then you can throw them into other enemies and you'll get a coin for that. Um but the big thing is the puzzles and stuff. Very simple so far, but I've only sort of done the first world. Um, stuff that can be solved by using her emotions. The touchscreen at the bottom has four hearts surrounding a picture of Peach. One represents joy, one represents anger, one represents uh, sadness, one represents calm. Um, the joy puts a little whirlwind around her. And she sort of levitates a bit and you can use that to fly so she can fly around for as long as the um, meter is full. It drains super quick. So you can't actually use this stuff for very long. Um, Rage surrounds her with fire, which will deal damage to anything it touches. And when you jump, she lands with a big stomp, um, presumably to do things. I I don't think I've encountered anything that uses that yet. Um, The crying, she walks faster um, so can go along sort of breakable floors um because she does this little run while two big cartoon jets of water spray from her eyes and land on the floor in an arc and you can use that to water plants to make them grow um calm i don't think is used for puzzle solving it just seems to give her a slight regen so she can slowly get her hearts back um that's about it. it it's it's cute for what it is uh the emotion-based power thing is interesting. It's just within the context of, finally, Princess Peach is going to be the one rescuing Mario. How's that for a turnaround? Oh, she's doing a cry. Like, that is interesting. It, it's not the best message. It's not the route I might have taken in terms Maybe of, not. you know, yeah. The What they call the vibes-based system. <laughs> um which is cute. That is cute. Like, it is a nice idea. Uh, it's just, like I say, the context with, with Princess Peach. Um, but it looks like a good game. You know, what I've played so far, it's been enjoyable enough. Very simple. Very straightforward. Um, but, you know, no less enjoyable. Uh, that's been about it for me, for what I've played. Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna crack through a couple of other uh, Playdate games because I started playing a bunch of stuff that was um, available on itch.io. Um, most of this is stuff that is like completed that was available completely free. Uh, I'm gonna talk about one at the end that I spent ten bucks on, and I'm like I'm gonna introduce it this week and then talk about it properly next week. Uh, so a couple a couple of the the, the uh, ones that are available for free. Word 8, it's just Wordle, that game that everyone was playing on their phones a while ago, but it, it's here. Uh, it does update d- daily with the the actual Wordle's word list uh, and like fun- functionally work. If you want a silly little daily word puzzle, it, you can have that on the play date. Without cool. having to support the New York Times. Hey! That indeed. That indeed. Um... One bit Pac-Man is exactly what you think it is. It's Pac-Man. Someone made a nice port of Pac-Man for the for the play date. It, it plays really nicely. Um, sa- same for Playtris. 
it's just Tetris for the Playdate. Uh, plays really nicely. It's a good, it's a good version of Tetris. Um, but the two that were like interesting little curios, Game Kid, is a Game Boy emulator for the Playdate. The what? It's a Game Boy emulator for the Playdate. Huh. And I it's, mean, I guess it's, visually it's got the screen for that aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not perfect, and it's it's in development and still being worked on by the creator, but. I booted up the original um, uh, Super Mario World for the for the original Game Boy, and like it played at about I'm gonna say like ninety percent speed. Like it was running a little slower, but there were no like visual issues with it. It was running. It was doing the thing. I'm I'm keeping an eye on this because if this continues to get updates, it's just a nice little additional bit of functionality to have thrown in there. Um, and the other one that like I have no practical use for, but I I still love that it exists because like I'm j- I'm just a sucker for a, a a tech need that I haven't had for about fifteen years. Uh, Audition is basically just an MP3 player for the Playdate for if you want to like play MP3s through your your uh, your audio out, uh, which. I have zero need for this, but I have weird amounts of nostalgia for having to download MP3s and load them manually named into a d- d- little dedicated device. I had a mini disc player with an M- with, that could read MP3s, and so I used to load my MP3s onto fucking mini discs, and it was awesome. I spanned the spectrum from like recording songs onto cassette off of the radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a big part of my growing up. Yeah, through through to like for Christmas getting like a like a uh, I don't even remember what the file size on it was, but like a, a USB stick MP3 player mm-hmm. that was like, aha, I can just have all of my music on this little pocket sized thing. And there's just a part of me that has nostalgia for that that is like, yeah, no, I'll I'll stick some MP3s on a on a thing for no abs no need at all. Uh, another one I'll very quickly, very quickly go through. Super Corporate Tax Evader. Brilliant. Is is a game about shredding taxes in a back office, uh, and trying to like put away the shredder quickly anytime you think that the um the IRS auditor might be about to walk in the room. Uh it it's real simple. You get the crank out of its like little pocket in the playdate, and you spin it real fast to shred documents. And on screen, the IRS person will be having conversations with the boss, and you'll sort of uh, see them happen, hear hear them through the door, see the little speech bubbles, and you've got to look for moments of like the conversation has broken for a second, uh, and not only stop cranking the playdate crank, but put it back in, like hurriedly put it inside its like little nook on the side of the playdate, which requires you flipping it over and putting a plastic thing inside a well-designed gap uh the the frantic fumbling very much captures this game's idea very well the uh, 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 shit it's uh, not going in it is just a high school chase game about how 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 much paper can you get shredded before you eventually get caught uh with shorter and shorter windows of notice before the the door opens up on you uh those are like the, the the very quick ones to go through. The the one I want to like 
very quickly finish on, and I have very little to say about it today, but I'm curious how I'm going to feel about it in a week, is I went and looked at, like, list of Playdate games, uh, like, best-rated Playdate games on, on itch.io, and I read a couple of articles that, like, um, you know, places like IGN had done of, like, the best Playdate games you can you can buy right now, and consistently this game was, like, the top-rated game. Uh, it's a game called Bloom, and... It is a game about being a young woman uh, taking a risk to go and try and start a flower shop. Uh, you move into a little flat above the flower shop, you are growing flowers on the roof, uh, selling them downstairs, uh, trying to get a little small business going while like doing little, doing some cute little gardening, and there's a narrative that you explore through text that you receive and stuff like that. The gimmick is... It is a game played somewhat in real time. You will come across, like, sometimes you just won't be able to do anything until it's tomorrow. Like, a character in-game might say, oh, oh, uh, yeah, oh, the, the, uh, the, the shop's first day of, of selling things is tomorrow, is tomorrow, right? And you have to just check back in Tomorrow or later is my understanding. Like, you don't have to check in the next day, but you have to wait until at least one more day has passed before you can sort of progress on. And the idea is very much to play in these, like, very small little bites over time. And I really like the design, the music, the the writing, the aesthetic. Like, everything about it so far has been very charming. But obviously, it, it is bold for a game that costs... $10 to basically within about 10 minutes be like, yeah, that's 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 all you, you, you're going to be doing today. It requires a degree of confidence that I would not have had if I had not read very positive uh, reviews of this game. And I'm very curious how I'm going to feel about it a week from now. Uh, but I've started playing it and I just wanted to like day one mention it. And see how I'm feeling a week from now. I respect the move. Yeah, it it, it requires some confidence, and I I'm curious how what how they're going to pull it off. Right, I've got to do another one of those things this week where I have to fuck off um, early. So I will leave this in your capable hands, folks. Um, I'll just quickly get some stuff out the way. Um, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling, Patreon.com slash Jim Sterling. Uh, my current confirmed wrestling dates are still the only two, even though I've got loads of bookings I can't talk about yet. March 18th, Blackpool uh, Women's Road to Glory Tournament with PCW. March 25th, Leeds True Grit, Commander Sterling versus Priscilla Queen of the Rings. It's going to be fucking awesome. Um, and yeah, there we go. I have got to rush off um and i will speak to you both next week thank you bye right with that done let's uh let's 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 roll through some news quick let's get let's let's get some newsy bits we can we can get through a bunch of these like real quick um we we got some square enix uh news because of course we do um it looks like square enix is uh is probably going to be getting rid of their their current ceo (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss his <laughs> annual missives if he goes. Ah, uh, yeah. We'll we'll see whether anything changes. But like, how much of that is him, and how much of this is b- the board believes those things. But uh, 
yeah, Square Enix has made a motion to uh, replace their CEO, Yosuke Matsuda, uh, which is going to be voted on by shareholders in June. Uh, he's been CEO for a, for a decade, in, in which time uh, the company has sold off all their Western studios, sold off a bunch of their, their brands, uh, pivoted towards NFTs, a lot of stuff that hasn't gone over great. It's been a rough 10 years for Square yeah. Enix. I mean, no, that's not to say that they haven't had some successes for sure, but but yeah, the um the live services maneuver, the selling off of the the properties to go to NFTs, that's just like that's mm. just it just is gutting the value of the company. I, so the thing is it sounds like, if anything, they're kicking out the CEO might be to pivot even harder into the NFT stuff. Fucking hell. Yeah. Take the L, people. Jesus. Yeah. They're lining up Takashi Kiryu, uh, who is a young executive who joined in 2020 as his possible replacement. Um, let me have a look here. Kiryu previously worked for a technology company devoted to researching emo- emerging trends such as blockchain and Web3. Oh, no. Yeah, oh. um, it sure seems like, look, I'm reading between the lines here, it might be that uh, that their very NFT-focused CEO was not NFT-focused enough for them, and they're getting in a younger, more NFT-focused person. To, yes, uh... the, the problem The problem <laughs> was they weren't going at NFTs hard enough, it wasn't all of the it... other things. Yeah, it honestly sounds like oh, like no. n- not 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 NFT enough oh, might be the problem. Oh man, they're so NFT pilled over there. Oh. Right. Uh an- another nice and quick one, uh, a little quick update. You know when we talked a while back about Yuji Naka being accused of insider trading? I, I do recall that. Yes. Yep. Uh he has now admitted to insider trading. Oh. Uh yeah, let me let me find the uh the the quote. This came from the uh courtroom transcript from uh when he appeared in court in Tokyo. Uh there is no doubt that I knew the facts about the game before it was made public and bought the stock. That that yes, that that is what you call insider trading. Yes. That that is very that, that is, is very clearly I had definition. privileged insider information and I traded upon yep. it. Okay. Um so yeah, for all the people who were like, ah, oh, maybe it's just a misunderstanding or something. No, no, he just, yeah, he knew. Um, uh, I believe, I believe the quote is specifically in reference to one of the the allegations. I don't know if it's to all of them. Uh, I believe this was with regards to Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, if you admit to insider trading on one of the alleged insider trades. You probably did all the insider trades you were well, it's, on. It, it, it certainly is harder to uh, say, oh, he'd never do insider trading when he's already admitted yeah. to doing insider trading. Um, yeah, it it suggests that the other allegations probably seems, hold some seems water. likelier now. Yeah. Now we've got that section of the show where we've got to talk about Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. Again, because that's just the weekly done thing. So according to Reuters, uh, it seems like the acquisition Blizzard, uh, the Activision Blizzard acquisition is going to get a thumbs up from EU regulators. 
We will know this officially by the 25th of this month, but they are reporting that the concessions that Microsoft has been making, such as agreeing to ensure Call of Duty would be available on Nintendo platforms for the next decade, offering the same offer to Sony, um, making sure that Call of Duty would be available on NVIDIA GeForce Now. According to Reuters, this those concessions are enough that the EU is going to fold and and say, yep, go ahead. Which I think is the first of the big regulators to to back down. As far as I'm aware, the, the UK and the U and the FTC are still both pursuing yeah. at least some kind of uh, inquiry, but um yeah, I Yeah. I I don't I, I don't know that th- these concessions actually are significant in any they, way. They are, I, I, they are symbolic. I don't, I don't, I don't, boy, politicians and regulators do not understand these markets. Is that what I'm getting to learn from all yeah. of this? Well, well, I mean, look, I'm going to like jump ahead slightly to one other story uh, on this topic. Um, so Microsoft has made the claim to the UK's uh, Competition and Markets Authority uh, that they have significantly overcounted the potential impact of Call of Duty being exclusive to Xbox and PC. I mean, I do think that is probably true. Um, po- possibly, but, uh, I, you know, that's not necessarily a, a ridiculous thing to say, but the, some of the numbers they throw out are like, to, to justify this as not a big deal, uh, I'm sceptical about. Um so Microsoft cons- commissioned a survey, so like not necessarily the most impartial survey out there, um, that they did back in January, and they shared the results with Axios, uh, and th- Microsoft found that just 3% of all PlayStation users would switch to Xbox if Call of Duty became an exclusive. So like, it's not a big deal, only like 3% of 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 the market would shift so like it's not that big it, it, that's that's definitely not a number that we only shared with axios because it looked good for us and it's not a big deal so like let's have it though yeah um okay i mean yeah it certainly seems like a cherry picked statistic uh, especially yeah. as i read a little further here in the article and uh the CMA conducted its own research yep. in December, and 15% of Call of Duty PlayStation players would switch to Xbox in their study. So, uh, yeah. that's a five it's, times, if I'm doing my, my basic yeah. mathematics correctly. It's it, it's almost like perhaps you should get those surveys done by an independent regulator rather than the company that wants Wait, to now, give you a on, number that says we can... You mean, you mean to tell me... That we might not be able to trust the fine people at Microsoft? I'm saying the fine people at Microsoft might have an incentive to give numbers only if they paint a specific picture. Oh my god. I know, right? Shocking. Wow. Shocking. I I am uh, stunned to, to match, you know. Nobody tell the oil companies about this trick. Uh... Yeah, so other stories, because this just keeps going on and on today. Um, a, a United States judge has granted Microsoft access to some internal Sony documents they have been trying to justify getting access to for the last couple of weeks. Um, 
basically, um, Sony has been the biggest opponent of the acquisition, and Microsoft has been going, well, we want to see what you've been saying to the regulators so that we can, like, fight back if we think any of it's misleading, but also... We want to see, like, private confidential um, communications between you and third parties where you are negotiating exclusivity deals so that we can see what tactics you use to get exclusives and, like, you know, maybe make the argument that you're being just as, uh, you know, uh, monopolistic as, as you're accusing us of. They are. I mean, yeah. Uh, Sony was very opposed to this understandably, uh, but a judge has now ruled that Microsoft can view Sony's communications with regulators about the Activision deal, as well as details of Sony's own exclusivity give, uh, agreements with game publishers since 2019, so the last three years of their uh, behind-the-scenes how they got exclusives they got. Um, so this is probably going to get real publicly messy, this is another piece of ammunition that Microsoft is going to turn into a, yeah, but let us be a monopoly because Sony does bad stuff too. Mm. They're trying to hide stuff too. Oh my. Yeah. It just keeps it going does, and going. Yeah, huh? it, well, it's going to, and it's going to continue for, well, a long time still. This is going to be just the running segment forever. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, last bit of Activision, Activision Blizzard related stuff, uh, not to do with the acquisition necessarily. Uh, we talked a little while back about, uh, the fact that the Communication Workers of America filed charges against Activision, claiming that it violated, um, several workplace laws in relation to firing two QA testers. Uh, this is to do with the fact that they, uh, decided to force all employees back to office working which a lot of the QA staff pushed back against, understandably going, hey, we've been doing our jobs perfectly fine from home. What justification do you have for forcing us to come back mm -hmm. in? Um, the CWA said that numerous workers protested the return to office, uh, citing cost of living concerns and the impact it would have on their co-workers who might be forced out of their jobs. Um, in response to QA testers, uh, I quote, uh, expressed their outrage using strong language. Um, which, like, I think that's fair. You know, a certain degree of strong language when management's fucking you around. Uh, in response, management set up disciplinary meetings and both workers were fired. Um, the charges being made were that uh, these these fire, fire, firings were made in response to the employees' engagement in protected, concerted union activity. Uh, so basically, the CWA is trying to argue, you didn't fire these two because they, you know, were a bit pissed off that you were, like, trying to force them back into the office. You did so because they're union members, and it was technically against the rules enough that you could you could shove them out the door. Um, allegedly, Activision also improperly denied a request to have a co-worker witness the disciplinary meeting, which preceded the termination of their employment. Uh, which, again, not a good look for Activision. Uh, and Activision's response to this is, <sighs> this is... completely mm. fucking toothless. Um, 
It's not, not, no, 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 it's, no, it's, it's smug it's, and patronizing yeah. is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So the company is focused on building a culture of inclusiveness. We have a workplace code of conduct policy that has been consistently shared with employees. And when that policy is clearly violated, we take appropriate disciplinary action. Using abusive, harassing, or threatening language towards colleagues is unacceptable, and we're disappointed that the CWA is advocating for this type of behaviour. That, that's just... So, we, there's, we're disappointed there's so many, that they are... This, uh, yeah. There's so many things in this I hate. First of all, the way it's phrased definitely wants outside readers to assume these people were harassing another member of the QA team on the same level. And you mean as opposed to the manager who's fucking them? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, they want to make this sound like, oh, we, no, 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 this was nothing to do with that. We fired you for harassing one of your fellow co-workers rather than saying some maybe a little spicy words when your boss tries to fuck you over. Um, Yeah, like, doing the, like, using abusive, harassing, or threatening language... It, the, it, my gut is that those three are like a bracket like in the policy, but you, putting all three of them in here makes it sound like these employees did all three, suggests that they harassed and threatened, which, you know, I don't know how how much I think, how much I trust that to be what happened. Um, yeah, it... <sighs> Corporations being fucking yep. shit as ever. Yep. It's it's some fucking nonsense. Yeah. Uh, I do have a light-hearted thing for us to end on because I needed something to like lighten the mood at mm-hmm. the end. Are you aware of the, the, the controversy around Jack Black's testicles this week? <laughs> Go on. Um so Jack Black is voicing Bowser in the Mario I, I, uh, film yes, that's heard coming that. out mm-hmm. real yeah. soon. Yeah. Uh, he, alongside several members of the cast, uh, appeared on the Kelly Clarkson show okay. mm-hmm. this, uh, mm-hmm. this past week. Uh, and as a bit of a gag, uh, the the rest of the cast were like, "Ah, oh, we're all going to come dressed as our characters." But oh no, no, it's only Jack Black that came in in outfit. Oh, big joke. The Kelly Clarkson show had to routinely blur Jack Black's testicles. Jack Black be packing. Yeah. yeah, so look, I'm just gonna say this. I'm pretty certain Jack Black was freeballing it under that that outfit. Speaking as someone who wears a similarly sized onesie on the reg, yeah. You do that. You yeah. go commando in there, it's liberating. You go commando, but I wouldn't go commando on an on a national TV program. Okay, but this is Jack Black we're talking about. Like the man I, is the definition look, <laughs> of big dick energy. He 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 yes he is. Um so yeah, the the he comes out and he starts like wobbling back and forth and if you watch the clip, you can just see those balls very clearly <laughs> bouncing back and forth like there is no hiding them big low hanging swinging <laughs> testicles uh to the point that they had to they had to blur his crotch to try and hide his big swinging balls he is balls. a man in his mid 50s and i am so proud of him yeah yeah like can um, i be jack black when i grow up like yeah look honestly i have 
respect for this moment. So, yeah, the the sentence uh, Jack Black had his balls censored this week is a relevant and newsworthy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. headline for me to bring This is cancel culture right now on Jack Black's balls. Yep, yep. Freedom for Jack Black's balls. Damn right. There we go. We, we did, did a it. show. We, we did another. Cool. We did it. We did well, a show. Well, since we've done a show, the, the people yeah. have been listening to this and they might feel the need for more things to consume. And Laura, you make so many things to consume. Where can the people find those? I mean, people can find those at Laura K. Buzz in all the places. I've I've got that good unified branding. Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, uh, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. As little as a dollar a month over there really helps. Um, this week, I've got a video going up on YouTube about Final Fantasy sixteen and the game's implementation of um, not strictly labeled accessibility settings, but that's clearly what they are as equippable in-game rings rather than just settings. I dig into that whole story this week. Look forward to that on probably Friday. Uh, Season 10 of Dice Funk has started airing. Uh, Brand new season of Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Uh, Each season's its own self-contained story, so if you want to jump in, this is a great place to jump in. And you're Uh, you're DMing in this season, I heard? So, yeah, this is what I was going to get to, is we're doing something really interesting with this season that I really hope people tune in and listen to, which is we're doing a Star Trek season. We're doing a space-themed Star Trek kind of season. But the gimmick is we're doing a simultaneous Deep Space Nine and Next Generation season, where half of the episodes I'm a player... Uh, and we're doing stuff that's like at home on the big ship doing the kind of scale of problems that are in a community, like a contained community in space. And the other half of the episodes are, uh, I will be the DM. I'll be the person running the story and uh, having the group that goes off on the big away missions down to planets and off to dangerous locations. And those stories will sort of are, are telling two halves of one interconnected story that's going to come together at the end. And it has been a really interesting creative process, um, telling two halves of a story with another person and making that something that is working towards one shared endpoint. Please check out season 10. First episode is up now. Uh, I am so proud of how everything's been going with that, and I can't wait for people to hear this quite ambitious improv space story we've been telling. Uh, What about you, Conrad? Where are you on the internet? Well, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can hang out with me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman now that I finally have some fucking internet in here again. Uh, You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com, audiobooks at conradreads.com, and everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And just to let you know, James Stephanie Sterling also has a Patreon. It supports the Jimquisition, it supports Podquisition, all the other stuff that they do. Um, the new Jimquisition, if you have not watched it, about whether or not we should continue to use the term JRPGs is it, excellent. It- it is a wonderfully calm and measured take on a topic that I've seen far too many people being like very all or nothing about and like has a really good nuanced look at a complicated and long long running discussion. It is a it's a really good really good episode. Yeah. 
it really made me think about the perspective of of Japanese developers when it comes to that term. I had never personally seen it as a negative thing, you know, um, but I don't have their perspective. I had no way of knowing um, that they felt that way about it. And that kind of sucks because, you know, I do think that there's a, like a cultural design aesthetic that permeated games coming from not just Japan, but, you know, in in that sort of, and not having a way to define that and having this weird default that is, it's a great, great episode. Go listen to it. Um, and you can watch Steph uh, stream at twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. And you heard the wrestling dates earlier, so I didn't have to remember them. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back again next week. Bye. Bye.